Hello and welcome to this week's Dad Educates Daughter Series 2, Episode 15. Hello, Rebecca, are you there? Hello, Dad, I am indeed. Okay, so just to recap who you had, you had groups, bands, Bonksky Beat. Yeah. King. Mm -hmm. uh, Squitty Politty. Prefab Sprout. The Bluebells and Colourfield. Yeah. So how did you find this week? Well, obviously, it's a week that I didn't know any of them at all, unless you'd mentioned them in previous yeah, episodes. Yeah. It was quite hard to pick some hits and misses, which I will explain later. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was a bit difficult. Um, but it was an enjoyable week. It was one of those weeks where they were all quite not similar to each other, but I mean, like, the amount of songs I had for each. There weren't, like, one that was, you can tell they were the biggest. So it was nice that the listening, amount of time listening to each of them was quite similar. But, yeah, like, I enjoyed it. I feel like we are, like, when you say we're in the 80s now, like, this is the 80s. Like, this is the music that I've heard from you. Like, obviously not these, because I didn't really recognise any of them or anything. Or even, like, the songs. Oh, like, there was none... There's at yeah. least two two uh, groups bands that I yeah fans of. Okay, so like I heard some songs that I was like mm, you sound familiar, but it weren't like I recognised. So they weren't like that. So it was yeah. it was a different week in that sense because usually there is at least one song that I'm like oh I know this know it straight away but no there was like familiar sounding songs rather than I definitely know them so it was yeah it was different so this week actually is I've gone in blind it's one of those weeks where it's definitely blind I'd have no idea like when we first ever started and I had no idea who you were talking about one of those so yeah okay so we're into 1984 pretty much as far oh, as wow. their first hit yeah. Um, so like a chart as in top 40. Yeah. Um, these these groups were all 1984 onwards. Okay. Um, any number ones? I've gone with none. Gone with none. I've gone with none. Like, mm. I feel like we could have mm. some top tens and some top fives maybe, but I don't mm. feel like any of them would have been up there as a number one. Okay. So if I was to tell you, you did listen to a number one. Just a one? Just the one. Okay. Yeah. However, you didn't listen to a number one from the 80s, but oh, wow. you did listen to a song that was number one. So it's like it's release. Wait. Right. So it's out of the 80s. Yes. Okay. I wouldn't even be able to put my finger on who it was or what it was. There were none there that were really were like... I feel like would have got the sales compared to all the other music. Well, just listen out to when I say such and such got to number boom. And then I give you another year for a re-release. So it's an 80s song, but they're re it's an re 80s song, an 80s song that charted in the eighties, yeah. but made it bigger in a re-release later on. Oh, see, now you're saying later on, I'm like, how late? Because I feel like it's not going to be it's like... It's an 80s song. Night. It is an 80s song. That's what yeah, I'm but say. I'm intrigued as to when the re-releases. Yeah, I feel like yeah. it's going to be a lot later than like the 90s that we normally get. 
it's going to be a shocker okay okay yeah well are you ready to let's talk music yes all right well we'll start off with then Vronsky beat yes so your impressions they have meaning in their lyrics like we don't get that much so I've like picked apart their lyrics and I feel like I just know their life a little bit is he gay they are all gay okay because small town boy because I watched a video as well is about coming out not really being accepted in like the small town that they live in getting in trouble and then why I feel like it no not why um yeah why I feel like it's like a lead on from small town boy still talking about how they're feeling and coming out and not being accepted and all that so I really liked their personal story in a sense Mm, yeah and he's got a very distinct voice he's got a high-pitched voice some people almost think sometimes it's a woman singing oh really no I didn't think Mm. that like I knew it was a man straight off because obviously my first listening without watching the video is just I don't know anything that's in my car I didn't ever think it was a woman I speaking of women though they did a song with Eartha Kitt so I don't have a clue who that is but she has got a freaky voice I don't like her voice at all and I don't oh yeah it's weird and I don't yeah and I don't get how they fit in with it like even in like in the video like it's just her singing so unless they just did the music and a bit of background but I couldn't really tell where they fit so when I was listening in my car I thought I'd added a song that I weren't meant to add you know like an accidental because it was completely different I was like have I moved on to King and we're still on Bronxky Beat like what's going on um and then they did a song with Mark Almond and I like they did yes so I liked that. But I feel like that one has been sampled, but not like their actual voices, but the lyrics I've definitely heard somewhere. So that's one that uh, sounds familiar okay. because I've heard that I, Are you else. ready to be filled in then? Because you've seemed to have got quite a few dots already, actually, from funny enough what I'm going to be explaining. Okay. okay. And their genre, before you go on, because I like to see if I'm right. Yeah. I'm competitive I went for electro pop and some sort of jazz maybe like jazz pop something I don't know there's some sort of sound in there okay so Bronxky Beat were Jimmy Somerville on vocals mm. Larry Steinbach Steinbacherchek I'll, I'll be honest I'm not <laughs> sure how you pronounce it keyboards and synths and Steve Bonsky on keyboards and synths uh, Richard Coles was also with them from 83 to 85 on saxophone. You may have heard of Richard Coles. Mm. He's done, um, uh, he's been on, um, what's Come Dance, come, what's the dance? Strictly come dance. Dancing. Yeah, yeah, he's been on that. He's a vicar now. By... What on earth? What's yeah, a change? Yeah, yeah. so okay. um, I didn't know he was in Bronxy Beat. He's known more for another group, but um, interesting to see he played saxophone between 83 and 85. Whether it's just like on certain tracks, session, mm. play, why he's yeah. not actually listed as a Bronxy Beat member. It's always been three, the three I've said. Um, but yeah, Richard Coles, I did find out, um, played saxophone for Bronxy Beat um, between 83 and 85. Um, they were formed in 1983 in London. And they are a synth pop, new wave, 
high energy band. What is high energy? Well, I suppose it's like dance, big dance music. Okay. It's and it's spelled H I dash N R G. Ah, so like high high energy, if you're pronouncing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, that's clever, but yeah, it's a new one. So Stein Bacek, 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 I'm probably pronouncing that completely wrong, so I apologise, had heard Somerville sing in the famed framed youth documentary film by the London Lesbian and Gay Youth Video Project and suggested they make some music. Oh. So um, they, they obviously then got together with Steve Bonsky, which, funny enough, is the name of the band, as in Bonsky yeah. Beat, and they signed a recording contract with London Records in 1984 after just nine live gigs. Oh, wow. So as I said, as we've said before, you know, getting either on to John Pill or doing mm. your live gigs is how you got noticed, yeah. which is why um, the Lotus Eaters, who hadn't done a live gig, if you remember, it was yeah. quite, um, they but they got to do it through the John Pills session, if I yeah. remember, if you remember. So it seems to be they were the two ways in the 80s that you, you got a record deal was either someone seeing you at gigs or they heard you on the John Pill sessions on his or radio one show. Or you're someone like Midger and just... Yeah, you, or you got contacts in the business, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, which, funny enough, was um, how Kachagugu got in was because... They uh, had... Uh, oh, who was, was it? The, the, the Lamal was um, a waiter and served um, the Duran Duran. That's it, person, yeah. And yeah. got in the music industry there. So it's all, you know, different ways. But it, it seems that the most common ones are you either send loads of demos off, obviously, to record producers, or you got noticing mm. in a gig, or... John, John Peel, you, you, uh, he just helped I got it. highlighted on. So yeah, so here we go. Their first single, "Small Town Boy," mm. is seen as a pioneer record for the gay and lesbian community in celebrating who you are. So they were yeah. probably the first group to actually be out. out of what they were. Which obviously back even back then, I mean, it's still a bit it, not so obviously so much now. Um, but not that long ago, it was still a big taboo. But oh, definitely. definitely in the eighties, it definitely was. You 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 know kept it quiet. Mm. But they were the first group. Um, were openly openly gay, and um, as you say, the lyrics of "Small Town Boy" are about a gay boy man fleeing his hometown, and the the lyrics "Run away, turn away" are. Literally that, you're running away, mm. turning away from your, your hometown, your family. And then it also says, mother will never understand why you had to leave, but the answers you seek will never be found at home. Mm. So in other words, if you stay at home, you're, you're, you're never going to be, be fully yourself. accepted. Yeah. Yeah. And then the love that you need will never be found at home. So in other mm -hmm. words, you need to go. And the funny thing is they did move away. They moved to London. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously London uh, was... A bit more diverse. The, it's, uh... the, the place to be and that. Mm. And so they um, found themselves in London. Um, it is seen as a gay anthem and was actually voted number 12 in Time Out's 
top 50 best gay songs to celebrate Pride all year long, as recently as 2022. Oh, wow. I didn't know that that was a thing, like a gay chart type of thing. Yes. Small Town Boy was number one in the Netherlands, Belgium. So that just shows you, you know, even though gay being gay was um, something taboo back then. Mm. Obviously, everyone knows what the Dutch are like and how oh, open yeah. they are with that, that sort of stuff, yeah. obviously, prostitution, all that. And it's the fact that they were number one in the Netherlands as well as Belgium. There um, is also however, a catchy song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Even if people, you... Some people would have... Don't have no idea what it's about. ...realising what it yeah. was about. Yeah. You know? So, there, yeah, you're right. There is there is that as well. Um, it was top 10 in Australia, Canada, France, Ireland, Italy, Switzerland, and Germany. Okay. And it got to number 48 in the US. However, it was number one in the US dance chart. So it made 48 in the Billboard Top 100, but also number one in the dance chart, which is obviously where the high energy... Yeah, that's what I was about to say. That's where that's from. That's how it's got in there. So, yes. And then, in as I say, uh, there, as you've already briefly said, uh, the follow-up single to Small Town Boy was Why. Yeah. Which that, that song focused on anti-gay prejudice and also made the top 10 in Australia, Switzerland, Germany, France, and the Netherlands. Okay, so that hit well. So you were well. right in saying that the follow-up also gave it, because it was, yeah. that was giving you the, you know, the anti-gay mm. prejudice side of uh, why. They're just asking the question, why, I suppose, you know. Yeah. So, um, as you say, 1985, they joined up with Soft Cell's Mark Almond, mm-hmm. and they recorded a version of Feel Love. Oh, a version, so that's a cover. So it's a cover of Donna Summer. Okay. But then that's older, so am I going to know that one? Because... No, we haven't touched. We well, we probably did because he was to do with G- she was to do with G Giorgio Moroder. So when we went when we, went, oh, yeah. when we touched on Giorgio Moroder about um, together in electric dreams with Phil yeah. from yeah. uh Human League, we would have probably said about Donna Summer because she was the uh, disco electrotronic disco queen and he was known as the disco king or whatever it was if i remember right like, going back and we yeah. said about him yeah um, so yeah that that is to do with do with that so it sort of linked, linked then... that the, this again the disco the high energy side of it into mm-hmm. but then like i wonder whether because you know i said i recognize the I feel like it's been sampled in some way, but not. Yeah, there was a sample of so a song as well. So there was two, it was two songs. Um, I honestly now can't remember the other song, but there it was the sample was was of one of her other songs as the well. Hot stuff. Uh, don't think it's hot stuff. I might be wrong. Only because I've just searched on a summer to because I want to oh, okay. listen to her. I feel love later, and that's coming. I don't want to get hurt. Um, just trying to find it now. On the radio? 
I've, so in 1985, the trio joined up with Mark Ormond to record a version of Donna Summer's I Feel Love. The full version was actually a medley that also incorporated snippets of Summer's Love to Love You Baby. Oh, okay. And if you listen, yeah. I can remember it now. I do remember the, the, the longer version. And yeah, I remember it's, ooh, love to love you, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that, I know that's that. in the in the fuller version in the right. version. So yeah, you've With got you. the, the two songs in a sense. With you, okay. Well, I'm gonna listen the, the to Donna. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna listen to Donna Summer. I wanna hear whether I recognise her because I know that what you've just sung. Well, tried to sing. <laughs> um, Jimmy Somerville left the band in 1985 and was replaced with John Foster. And the first single with Foster was Hit That Perfect Beat. And then in December 2016, Larry Steinbachek died from cancer at aged 56. Okay. And then in 2021, Steve Bronski died of, at 61 in a flat fire. Oh God. So um, in a sense now, Bronski beat. Oh, in a, there's just Jimmy Somerville from the original one. But he uh, left. He'd already left anyway, so yeah. Did they carry on when they, he they left? Did, I, I mean, you've, your last three songs that you listened to were were the new lineup of Bonsky Beat about Jimmy Somerville. So I don't know if you, re, if you notice a difference in the voice or sound, because obviously Jimmy Somerville's voice is very prominent. Yeah, like and, I said, um, he's got a distinct unique, voice. Um, where, I'd, I mean... Whereas I suppose the last three songs would have been with a totally different vocalist in this John Foster. Uh, well, I didn't note anything. Ah. So I didn't note, did I? No. So there you go. So they've done well in choosing someone mm. who didn't actually take away from what they had. Which uh, it, we know is hard a to big do. Thing, but um, the, the, the vocals of uh, Jimmy Somerville are, as I say, very unique and yeah. um, very um, catchy. Yeah. So um, they had four top 10 singles. Okay. And they had two top 20 albums. Not bad. Considering like, I didn't have that many, it weren't a vast amount. So before I run down, obviously I've already touched on uh, Small Town Boy being number one in the Netherlands and Belgium and top 10 in many other countries. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually say, obviously, the UK because I nope. wanted to leave it till now. So, are you ready? As we start with 1984's Small Town Boy, which got to number three. Really? Yes. Well, However, that... in 1991, yeah. a remix version was released. Oh, a remix version. Remix version. And that and got, that got to number... 32. Oh, <laughs> do you know what? If you said it was number one, I was going to be like, mm, I'm not a big fan of like a lot of remixes. So I was going to be like, what are they thinking? Uh, but that was my favourite one. I really enjoyed yeah, I that think, one. I think that is everyone's favourite. And I'm pleased to say it's, if I had it here now, which I, ha- I haven't, it is on the electric, it's electric album. It is on that album. Oh, I'm disappointed that you've not yes, brought it in. Yeah. Well, it's very electric. That's one thing that I wrote down. So straight away, I was like, there's some sort of synth pop. Um, and I was just, I really enjoyed 
like the lyrics I was like these are important but like I said before when you were talking about it how it got to number one and top 10 in many countries yeah it was a taboo subject it is a good song even if you weren't Mm -hmm. listening to the lyrics like I was still a good song to just have around so yeah and it proved that by how well it done yeah Um, and it's still a good song now um moving on then still 1984 and why as we said that did well in um, many countries in the top 10. And again, in the UK, we followed suit and got to number six. Okay, not bad. Well, I thought this one had a good, strong beat. Um, again, following like the electric sound, it was a good, strong beat. And the vocals just so strong. Like he's just got a really good voice. And it's just mm. nice and upbeat. Like I say, considering what the lyrics are about, they've made good songs. They've not made them sad. They've made them like, upbeat. They've made it fun and... Yeah celebrating definitely and saying about his voice now i mean i've seen him live many a times at ah, yeah um, just as obviously jimmy somerville because he he went on to do another group and then he went on as a soloist as well right okay and um he's he is amazing he's still amazing even now uh what he's probably he must be in his 50s maybe even 60s. 60s 50s 60s so mm. yeah he's still still um got the voice right. um a bit a bit he's a bit like a a Morton Harkett, you know, he's still can mm. do the, the notes. Yeah. 1984, It Ain't Necessarily So, that got to number 16. You so, oh, I was about to say this when I was talking about him. So, you know, I said that there's meaning in the lyrics. This one is like a bit religious, but it's like not, it's just talking about like Goliath and the giant and Moses and Jonah and just like all these different names that you would see in the Bible and what they've done. But it was still a good song. Like even though it was like, didn't take it, the lyrics didn't turn me away from it, but it had a long intro with an instrument and it weren't that bad. Like as much as I hate long intros, I feel like they've got a nice balance of their sounds. Okay, so then we've got the uh, 1985 I Feel Love Medley with Mm -hmm. um, Mark Ormond. That got to number three. Oh, really? It weren't my favourite. Well, obviously it weren't my favourite. It weren't like up there. They had good harmonies. It was just repetitive and it was like they were trying to do something different. Like it took away from their normal upbeat electric sound. And considering I like Mark Ormond as well, I was a bit shocked that that's the way that they went with it. Sure. Which is why I also want to listen to Donna Summers' version because I'm like, well, how much did they change it? Yes. Okay, 1985. So and this is now without Jimmy Somerville. Mm-hmm. Hit that perfect beat. Got to number three. Oh, also oh, they're an up there band. Yeah. Um, well, this one got me, me got me moving. It's nice and upbeat. I feel like there's an underlying meaning to this, but I couldn't put my finger on anything. But yeah, it's a like I just think it's about like being like a um a gay guy again like that type of thing but I yeah. like the lyrics I really like and I don't tend to listen to lyrics much but I really like these lyrics. So now we're moving on to 1986 come on come on number 20. Oh well, that one was a fun song it was just laid back and fun and just they were you know having a good time with it like i wouldn't say a 20 especially like when the others being up there a bit. Mm. Mm. 
And then 1989, Cha Cha Hills, number 32. Yeah, I didn't like that one. Yeah, touched on that one already. <laughs> that voice is a bit scary. So, so there you go. So that was Bonksy Beat. Mm-hmm. And um, very much a band that stood for something, i.e. obviously yeah. the, the LGBT is then now referred to uh, community back in the 80s when... It wasn't um, seen as a. It weren't spoken about. You spoke about, no, correct. Okay, so moving on to King. Mm. So, same with these. I feel like they sing about actual things, not on the same level as Bronski beat, but they sing about like their feelings and, you know, like it has meaning to it rather than just being a song. And this is the upbeat music of the 80s that I really like. It's something. It's not just there. It was a nice flow going from Bronsky Beat to King. I think they're just New Wave. I couldn't really pinpoint anything, so I went with New Wave. Um, and I find them colourful, although dodgy haircuts, very dodgy haircuts. <laughs> like It looks like he's got extensions. Oh, I don't know. It's just a bit. And then, so I noticed that in... Um, the video for Love and Pride, and I thought, oh, it's just you that's got the dodgy haircut. And then I saw, I think it was a drummer, and his hair looks like he's been electrocuted. <laughs> but like, it's just a bit, bit odd. Um, they don't change much from I listened to their first, like I watched their first video and their last video of the songs that you sent me. And so I feel like they weren't around for a long time because there weren't much change in their looks. Like they were still wearing the same type of outfits, like formal dress. They still had the same type of haircuts. Like they had, they didn't really change in age. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they're around for that long in the 80s, okay. to be honest. But yeah, like it was a nice upbeat that I needed. Four man band as well, I'm going with. Four man band, you uh, are wrong. Oh, can I not count? Obviously not. <laughs> so King were and if you get your fingers ready you can start yeah. counting now Yeah, they were Paul King vocals and piano dodgy haircut guy Mick Roberts on keyboards mm-hmm. and synths Anthony Wall on bass Jim Lansbury on guitar and John Hewitt on drums Five. Don't know who I missed then. You missed someone. So maybe you, the bass player, the um, and um, guitar player, you might have counted as as one. I don't know. I don't know. I just saw four men. Yeah. (laughs) So um, they were formed in 1983 in Coventry. Okay. And they are a new wave band. Oh, just new wave. Just new wave. Oh, okay. I'm right. Uh, they they were actually born out of um, a group from Covent from the Coventry rock scar um, scene called a band called the Reluctant Stereotypes. Oh. And Paul King left them to form the War Screens. 
a, a group he called multi-tone in reference to the two-tone scene that was going around at the time in Coventry mm-hmm. or the Midlands. Yeah. Um, and obviously we know that from the specials, yeah. Madness, mm-hmm. Selector, all that that was um, there because Selector were from Coventry. So and I think the specials were from around that way as well. So, yeah. And then at the time, they ch- and then they changed their name to King, which is just um, Paul King's surname. These poor, like, I always find it weird. You've got Bronsky Beat with one of the guy's surnames. They've got King with one of the guy's yeah. surnames. Like, what about the others? Like, I always feel like, <laughs> re- like, I want to give them a cuddle. Like, oh, sorry, you didn't make it. Like, I just feel, so, you know, you're all as one. Why should one of you be, yeah. like, the main name? So that is that happened in 1983, and hence that's why they looked at as formed in 1983, even though they were born out of they were, the groups. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. The, the actual king was from there. Yeah. So King and Roberts, they wrote the hit song Love and Pride that you've mm-hmm. already mentioned, and that was first released in April 1984, spending just three weeks in the UK chart, oh. and it reached number 84. That was its peak. So it weren't a hit? No, not at first. However, after the group performed on a Saturday morning kids TV show, <laughs> uh, probably like uh, Alive and Kicking or something along those lines, I guess. Right. Um, other obviously more Saturday morning shows were available, but that's the one I listened, watched, watched <laughs> at the time. CBS, the record company, re-released it. Right. And um, that's when it became a hit. So after they've had a bit more, so after they had a bit more exposure and people listen to it, which is that, and that's why the music industry is very much luck as well. Oh, definitely. With a heart, you know, had that video not been made, a heart may not well not have gone on to be who they are, you know. And it's the same with so many others, you know. Um, Had Radio One not bow, had uh, Mike Reed not banned, um, relax, yeah. Would that what would they have, would they have been a thing? It, mm. So it is sometimes very much luck. So they performed on this kids' TV show that got them recognized and they re released the song. And suddenly, a song that wasn't a hit at the beginning of the year was now a hit at the end of the year. It's mad that it's like that's all it takes sometimes, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Um, because I, I think I think if you remember in an earlier episode, I can't remember it was, we said about there was a group that weren't going to appear on top of the pops that someone pulled out. They yeah, got to be like they and were then, you know that and that then their career. Then. So and yeah, I can't remember shows you. No, I, I can't now. So yeah, so King have had two top ten hits and they've had two top twenty albums. So very much um the same very as Bronsky um, beat had two mm. top twenty. 20 albums, two top, two top 20 albums. <laughs> so here we go then. 1984, Love and Pride. Um, at the beginning of the year, as I say, it only reached 80, number 84. Madness. When it was re-released, it reached number two. Oh, okay. Well, that was my favourite. Absolutely love that song. It's catchy. Like, you're just straight into it. It's just... It's a good start. And that's what I mean about Bronsky beating these. They've just got a good, they're good feel, feeling songs and they're upbeat and up my street, obviously. 1985, Won't You Hold My Hand Now? Number 24. 
This, I was focusing on the vocals more. I really like his voice. He's just got a nice, I don't know, I can't explain it. I don't know, like it's not soothing, it's just got a nice sound voice. Uh -huh. <laughs> 1985, Alone Without You, number eight. Okay, this one was like, the lyrics were like short and to the point. Like they were like, this is what I'm saying, this is what I'm doing. Like they're blunt in the way. Uh -huh. And it's in the breaks from the lyrics. It's not just instrumentals. They were doing like noises with their mouths. And I quite liked that. They had a nice, but I think it's because I like his voice as well. So they had a nice like balance of sound sure. within that song. Okay. Uh, 1985 still, The Taste of Your Tears, number 11. Okay. The chorus stuck out to me on that one. The chorus was a different tone to the bridges. And then... 1986, Torture at number 23. Yeah, that was my least favourite. It had a change in the sound and it had like more of a seriousness to it. You know, kind of like where you where like where you go in, like you've lost your upbeatness from the songs before. Um, and that's where they lot. disbanded, 1986. So you were right. You said they weren't around long. They weren't. Mm, no. Two years they were they were around um, as king anyway. So um, so yeah. yeah. Okay, moving on then to Squitty Politi. Mm. These were a hard one. Like, yeah. yeah. The backing music, and I don't say this often, but the backing music made the songs what they were. Like, there was changes in the sound. They were more like lovely songs. They were really quiet as well, but the music, that, that was what gave you something. And they, they also had a different, I went for a different genre anyway, whether I'm right, compared to the ones that I've had before, like that we've just spoken about. So I went for like a soul pop new wave, but I went for the soul because, and it sounded a bit like reggae, but I went for more soul, especially for the word girl and she's a woman, but she's a woman I think they've moved on into the 90s or they've got to the end of the 80s anyway, just because of what they're wearing in the video. It looks a bit more like a streetwear hip hoppy vibe um, from it. And like I say, the, the sound changed from what they had been. But yeah, they're very like up and down in a sense. And yeah, the main guy is a bit of a pretty boy, I thought. But I th did people, did the like the change in you're going to tell me a minute but like was there a change in the group because the guy was, that I've just called a pretty boy didn't seem to appear in she's a woman like she's a, so I only watched two videos because that was also hard usually I watch one from the beginning one from the middle one from the end and I've got this many but the first four songs first three songs mm -hmm. there was no video for like none at all so okay. at the first video I listened, I watched was Woodbees, and that's where I saw the main guy. But then the next one I watched was She's a Woman, and it I was like, you're not the same people. So I'm intrigued. But it feels okay. like a massive change in the group. So Squitty Belitti were are Green Gart side on vocals. Yeah. Niall Jinx on bass, Tom Morley on drums. And then you've got David Gamson on keyboards and Fred Mayer on drums. Right. 
Okay. okay. They were formed in 1977 in Leeds, and they are a new wave synth pop, sophisti pop, pop band. Oh. Oh, but I said so, pop and new wave. Yeah. Gartside, who is from Wales, uh, met with Jinx and Morley at Leeds Polytechnic after Gartside was inspired from watching the Sex Pistols perform their Anarchy tour at the Polytechnic in December 1976. So that's why they were formed in Leeds, because he was... Where they met. That's where they met. They then relocated to London and squatted in Camden Town. So as you can see, a lot oh, of... Squatted? Towns. Yeah, like they went with no money, because that's not the first time. So, yeah. And obviously, a ha even relocated mm. to London from, from as far away as Oslo. Um, their name comes from an Italian Marxist writer and political theorist, Antonio Gramsci, um, and it refers to the political writings in Italian. Although the spelling has changed from squitty politici mm. to politi as sounded more rock and roll like Little Richard's song, Tutti Frutti. Oh, yeah. Okay. So they wanted it, it's like, they wanted it to be catchy. Yeah. Uh, their first demo, Skank Block Bologna, an ode to the lefty city Bologna in Italy, picked up airplay on John Pill's radio show. Yeah. And the band got signed up to Rough Trade Records, and their first single, The Sweetest Girl, uh, featured Robert Wyatt on keyboards. Although the song was not a success, it did reach number 35 for Madness, who covered it in 1986. So you'd have already listened to that song. I would have already listened to it. Even realising. Well, they must be completely different because I did not. Madness. Well, they must be completely different because I did not recognise that song. And I like Madness. Yeah, they must be completely. But the madness is a more jollier, rocky sound. So it would have had a change anyway. But no, I didn't recognise it at all. So Gartside, the uh, the uh, lead singer, as I say, uh, he once collapsed on stage. Oh. Um, it was originally believed to be a heart attack. However, it was um, eventually diagnosed as a panic attack. Uh, caused by his chronic stage fright, which is oh, I mean that's not like yeah. that you, you <laughs> stage fright, but it just shows you. It's not something you really. Uh, want, their though, first album, "Songs to Remember," was released in 1982, uh, and that was a commercial success, reaching number 12 in the album chart, yeah. and it actually became Rough Trade's biggest selling album at the time. Okay, but like they're not that big. To, um, I, don't, I don't know, no. to like have, like that's, but like Rough Trade isn't like a well-known recording company anyway, is it? Yeah. In 1985, Squitty Politi released their second album, Cupid and Psych, which mm. became their most successful, although by this time, the personnel had changed with David Gamson on keyboards and Fred Mayer on drums joining the group. Right, okay. And the others, the others had gone. Yeah, yeah. So now it's just Gartside, Gamson, and Mayer. So Gartside, the person, the main person, he stayed with them. He was still there. So you thought he'd gone. Yeah, he but what the, what the song? Day of the band. Yeah, but I only thought he'd gone for "She's a Woman." So he never left. 
Right. Now he's been the mainstay even up till now. Well, then he must have died his hair or something. <laughs> or in She's a Woman, they've used different people because they were dancing. Like maybe they've used actors, but I don't know. There was definitely, I noticed some sort of change. Sure. Um, their third album, Provision, was a top 10 success. However, by 1991, Gartside was disillusioned with the music industry and retired back to South Wales. Oh. However, by the end of the 90s, he returned and released a fourth album, Anami and Bonhomme, which was recorded between 1997 and 1998 and released in 1999. They have had, to date, five top 20 hits and two top 10 albums, with Cupid and Psych getting to number five, which was their second album, and Provision, their third album, reaching number eight. So in the 90s, when he came back, was that with Scritti Politi or did he do that on his own? No, he's always been, he's even now still a Scritti Politi. But with the same people that he was with here? I don't think he's with even the same people now, to be honest. I think he is now the only original member. Well, he's always been the only original member, obviously, anyway. Yeah. yeah, Okay. I just wondered that last album that he said about the 90s, whether it was with these guys. But probably not. No. I'm not, I'm not sure if it was with the original originals mm. or the ones he he's got. Back. Yeah, he, it was him that came back and and right. done it. So okay, with yeah. I'm just gonna quickly have a look to see if it says who um, the current members are, because mm. um, that might tell us. So um, no, totally different people now. Uh, members are now Green Gartside still, as still. I say. Rodri Marsden, Dickie Moore, and Wob Smelton. Okay, so yes, totally so completely. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Squitty Politi, 1981. Now, bear in mind, I said 1982. Oh, yeah. The start. However, Sweetest Girl, I've always already said, was not a chart success for Squitty Politi. Yeah. It only got to number 64. The reason I gave you it is because I wanted to see if you recognised it for Madness, which obviously you didn't. No, but like I say, it is a completely different sound to what Madness are anyway. Yeah. And then just to show you um, how it can take a while before you get noticed, the next two songs I gave you weren't chart successes. So 1982, still Faithless, number 56, actually better than The Sweetest Thing. And then 1982, Asylums in Jerusalem, Number 43. So, again, just outside the top 40, but still not a hit. Okay. We then come to 1984. Mm. Woodbees, mm. Pray Like Aretha Franklin, number 10. Now, all the... Oh, so that proper came. But like all the others, he's got a nice, soothing, gentle voice. And in Woodbees, it's like he's changed it up a bit, like their sound changed as well mm. with it. Because they're nice and calm, like they've got a bit of you know head bopping in there. But like I've said, they're a quiet one, and Woodby's just brought them out a bit. There was a little bit of a change, so that might have been the different and getting them up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nineteen eighty-four, Absolute, number seventeen. That like again, that one got a bit more upbeat, and there was something about his voice. He did something where you know, like when Michael Jackson does a love song. It's like a distinct different to when he does his normal songs. And it had that feeling in that I can't explain it, but I have written it's like when Michael Jackson does a love song, the type of way that he's singing. Yeah. So 
yeah like he changed again but I feel like that just like you know maybe he's just talented 1985 the word girl number six that was the one where I got the solely reggae from uh-huh. um, and you can really sing to that one that's nice and catchy yeah. and the chorus really gets me 1985 perfect way number 48 that was my favorite it's up my street, Not even really a catchy. So, so you shouldn't have really listened to that. I just gave you it because, again, I like it, but it was outside the top 40. No, that I really uh, like 1988, that so we're now three years later. Right. Old Patty, Don't Feel Sorry for Lover Boy, number 13. That one weren't a big hit with me. It was, like, too calm, a bit, what would I know? Like, it was love song. It just, it, it changed from what they were going with. Yeah. So, and then 1991, before obviously he then decided to call it a day, retire back to South Wales before calling it back on. <laughs> um, 1991, she's a woman featuring Shabba Ranks, number 20. Okay, well, I've spoken about this one before. There's not much content in it, and it's got like the again the solely reggae vibes, like, and it looked like they were going into the 90s with what they were wearing. Okay, so we move on to Prefab Sprout. Mm-hmm. I went for just pop with these, just pop. And I thought that they were like a calm pop. Like, again, like Scritty Politty, they were like a bit mellower in the pop side of things. The chorus of like the songs, that's like the best bit. Like the other lyrics are a bit meh, average the chorus really gets it for him. Um, he's got soft vocals and their last songs were the best ones. They are the ones that got me. Again, I think there was a change in the group. I noticed a bit of sound change maybe. Um, and they just like, I don't know, like in their videos, the first one that I watched was just like dark lighting. There weren't much to it. The next one I watched was the Carnival 2000. And in that one, I recognised the main man and was like, you look familiar. Really? Yeah. I recognise the main man. Don't know where he's from, but he has a familiar face. Um, But Carnival 2000 is like a literal carnival. And it's weird because it just shows carnival clips when it's the chorus and then... The lyrics aren't really carnival-y. Right. That was a weird song. Um, and then their last video that I watched, um, A Prisoner of the Past, was just black and white, elegant. So they're very different. It wasn't like a theme throughout. They weren't. They didn't have a specific sound all the way through or look all the way through. But I feel like they might have gone for quite a while. But we'll see. Uh-huh. Okay. So Prefab Sprout are actually my favourite Sophisti Pop band. But I still don't get what Sophisti Pop is. It's more mellow, not, not literal. Oh, right. So like what yeah. I've said about these, that they're so, chilled out yeah. pop. Right? Yeah, but these, I, I, I love Prefab Sprout. Do you? Um, so Prefab Sprout are Paddy McCallone, uh, vocals and guitar and keyboards. Okay, don't um, recognise that name. Martin McCallone on oh, bass family. Wendy Smith on vocals guitar keyboards so they're all mm-hmm. multi-talented 
Uh, Michael Salmon was a drummer up until 1983, and then Neil Conti was a drummer from 1984. And they had some brief ones in between the, the right. transition, I suppose. Okay. Um, they were formed in 1978 in hey. Witten Gilbert, County Durham, um, and they are a pop, sophisti pop, jazz pop, new wave band. Oh, so they've got a bit of everything, but they are like pop in a sense. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. okay. The group were formed by the brothers Paddy and Martin in 1978, with Wendy joining in 1982, and then obviously the others. Um, okay. The name of the group. Yeah, I'm intrigued by this. It's a weird this is, name. Yeah, isn't it? well, it's completely made up. Oh. However, Paddy used to invent stories. As he was always asked or got asked so many times, how, what, you know, what's the name? How did you get it? Mm. And he actually started making up. Um, oh, like you know, to go with like the name. Stories. And one of the best ones is that he misheard the lyrics in the song Jackson by Johnny Cash and June Carter, um, where uh, it says, we got married in a fever hotter than a pepper sprout. Ah, so he's saying that he heard it as Sprout. I'm with you. That's where he got the name from, but that was just made up. But obviously, a lot of people fell for mm. that. Is um, quite often where it's said to have come from. Yeah, the band have had nine albums, um, reached the top forty album chart, and Paddy is regarded as one of the greatest songwriters of his time and the band have been credited with producing some of the most beloved pop music of the 80s and 90s oh. however they only had one top 10 hit and four top 10 albums so even though they've had nine albums which so they've not hit four of them have hit the top 10 and all of those songs which are all brilliant um, only one got to the top 10 singles. So the ones that I've listened to, only one was in the top 10. Yes. I can guess which one it is. Now, bear in mind, we haven't got the number one yet. No. no. Yeah, but I don't know because you're saying that it's a re-release, so technically I'm right with no number ones. But it's a re-release from a song of the 80s. So yeah, it's still yeah, an 80s but, song. yeah, but technically I'm no, right. I was saying, the number one didn't happen. In uh, I'm right. So, yeah. Let me have some. Okay, so, <laughs> Prefab Sprout. In 1984, when Love Breaks Down, yeah. it reached 89. Oh. I mean, it weren't like an up there song for me. But I liked yeah. it. There's passion in the voice. I, I, it. They really, they've got passion in their singing. But it's a calm love song still. I think so. It so was re-released. This can't be the one. Not this. It was re-released. One. Yeah. In 1985. Oh, so no, a year it's not later. How do you know? I might have been fooling. You can't do that to me, though. It got to number. What 25? <laughs> You're funny, but it's still much better than but that's was, mad that only a year later, <laughs> yeah, and it's which again come in so like much. I, like, so, we've got you know, um, 
Oh, but I wonder uh, what King, made Love it. and Pride, that was yeah. a flop. They went on a TV show. Yeah, but that's why. Whereas why did that one do so much better? What did they do in that year? So what did like what what made it come into the charts? Because with King, I, I, I they went on know. a TV show, so we're yeah, noticed. I, I don't know. In- I think it was a, a re a re-release or maybe um a better produced because it mm. was actually um the next song that they re-released. It was the same song. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, like, so like in that had year success and had um, another and then yeah. released that. Which it we've was, had before with many yeah. others where they have now, a successful song and re-release one. A bit like hit. the other ones, I've given you songs that actually weren't hits. Just because I, I can take that. I can do that. <laughs> um, so 1985, Appetite. Yeah. That only got to number 92. Mm. It's an in-the-background song, but it's mm. got a catchy chorus. But I have said that with these, the chorus are the best bits. So 1986, Johnny Johnny. Number 64. And you like that? Yeah, Johnny, 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 Johnny. No, I think it was a bit of a... It's too repetitive. I do like how it's sung. I like... I like It's it's very well formatted and whatnot, but it's too repetitive for me. I'm just kind of like, okay, I get it. It, There's someone called Johnny. Yeah. So now we're going into 1988. Oh! Cars and they've still girls. not had a hit, really. Well, no. Like, no, Cars and Girls, yeah. number 44. This. Oh, still not in the top 40. No. This no. is a more upbeat, you know, th- like th- from here, this is where I started enjoying them a lot more. And I really like the vocals. Again, the chorus really got me into yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. That's their best one so far. 1988, The King of Rock and Roll. That was their top 10 hit. Number seven. I could have guessed it was that one. That's also my favourite. Yeah. It's catchy. Hot dogs, jumping frogs. I love it. Every time I sing it, I'm like, hot dog, jumping frog, Albuquerque. (laughs) I just love it. It's so random. It's great. It's like not even lyrical genius. It's just catchy genius. I love it. Connor's been annoyed with me singing it, but don't care. So then um, Carnival 2000. Now, I can't find anything of it because it never charted. So I don't even know the year oh. or anything. So I take it, it you charted. just like this one then? Yeah. It's very yeah. up and down, Dad, isn't it? The chorus is very different feels to the rest of the song. Uh, the chorus is 1990, Yeah. 1992, Sound of Crying, number 23. Okay, that one was repetitive. That could have been, you know, uh, I said up there with me. It could have been a favourite. 1992, If You Don't Love Me, number 33. Okay, so we're getting some hits now. That's calm, but also upbeat. So that's a bit contradicting, but it's a single. I don't know if you listen to the next one. I gave you it as an add-on. It was a... It's on their album, but I just like it. And it was actually, and then I found out it was released. And I thought, oh, okay. Um, and that's 1992 again, All the World Loves Lovers. And that got to number 61. No, uh, really? Yeah. I thought it would have hit bigger than that. I yeah, enjoyed exactly. that one. Like when you yeah. sent it to me, I was like, oh, for goodness sake. Like, why? Why not? Look, because you sent it so late at night. Um, <laughs> But the, there's the calm of the chorus. Yeah. 
And I feel like it's got a strong meaning, especially if you look at the lyrics now, because apparently that's what I did a lot this week is lyrics. Like, it's all about, like, just loving everyone, no matter who you are, what you're doing, where you're from, whatever, just, like, just love everyone. And, yeah, so it's like a love song, but in a sense of loving love rather than being like, I'll give you my love. Uh, yeah, I really liked that song. Yeah, no, I liked it. And that's what I yeah. thought. Oh, I didn't realise it had even been released, but, yeah, it wasn't a hit. Um, 1993, Life of Surprises, number 24. Okay, that was my second favourite. That was so close mm-hmm. to being my, fa- my favourite, but I, the king of rock and roll. But I, the, re- like, the reason I'm mentioning it is because I feel like, and like you've said, it's everyone's favourite. I feel like the king of rock and roll was very an obvious favourite, like you could have guessed. But no, Life of Surprises, it got me, there's a good balance in it as well because they like to be calm and whatnot. No. Really enjoyed that one. And in 1997, A Prisoner of the Past, number 30. I just like the backing music on that. It was a bit too mellow for me. Uh-huh. Yeah. So um, that is Prefab Sprout, who are still together. They just... Um, They're not really. They're t- I've, never, I've never seen them... Uh, advertised, rewind mm. or anything like that. Um, oh, which is quite surprising. But they are still, it says, still, you know, going. So, so yeah. Mm. Watch this space, I suppose. Yeah. Okay, still the number one to find as we go into the last two groups. Yeah. Will it be the next group? Or but like I say, group? I couldn't, when you said there was number one that got re-released, I would not be able to put yeah. my finger on who. Like going, okay. turning over and looking at the songs, I'm still like, don't know which one it could be. Fine. So we're going over to the Bluebells now. Mm-hmm. What did you think of those? I like that they're all involved in the singing, and it's like the way they sing and how, like how they are. They just, they just know how to make you feel good. They know how to make you feel happy with their music. I didn't get to explore. So because they only have three, the next year I just didn't get to explore them much. But because I had three, I weren't that bothered. And with these, they were so feel good that I do want to explore them more, in a sense, to find out if they kept the upbeat and the feel good or whether they changed and that's why there's only three and things didn't hit very well. So I want to know what went wrong there. I've gone for pop and some sort of jazz. Okay. So I've watched two videos. The first one, Kath, I watched the Top of the Pops rehearsal um, but it also had like part like clips of a video that they would have made. They're just very young and groomed. And then young at heart, that one just makes you want to go on a road trip. Like even in the video, they're like going on the road trip. Um, but someone just randomly plays a violin as well. So I'm like, there's something else in there for that instrument to be popped out. Okay. So the Bluebells are Bobby Bluebell oh, on of guitar. Course. Ken McCluskey on vocals, David McCluskey on drums, Lawrence Donegan on bass, Craig Gannon on guitar, and Neil Baldwin on bass. They were formed in 1981 in Hamilton, Scotland, and they are a new wave jangle pop. We've had jangle pop. You have indeed. Can you remember who? No, I can't even remember what Jungle Pop is. Jungle Pop, Jungle Pop. I don't think you liked it, actually. Oh, 
Who was it? Tell me. It was orange juice. No, that was recent. So the Bluebells performed Jangle Pop, not dissimilar to their Scottish contemporaries, Aztec Camera and Orange Juice. Oh. However, Aztec Camera are more a sophisticated pop. Uh, they, they're classed in that. They often, if you search sophisticated pop, they would be with the prefab sprouts, level 42. Right. Um, you know, that sort. Whereas if you look up Jangle Pop, that is obviously where all the orange juice and the bluebells would be pigeonholed. But they're very different sounding to orange juice, I think. Yeah, yeah. They're more pop. Pop. Yeah. So the band split up in 1986. Oh, is that why there's not many songs? Uh, more than likely, yes. However, um, they enjoyed an unexpected revival when Young at Heart was used in a Volkswagen TV ad, with the single being re-released, leading to the band temporarily um. reforming to appear on top of the pops. Now, I have mentioned Young at Heart before, because okay. this is their biggest chart success, and it was co-written with Siobhan Fahey of Banana Rama, yeah. Shakespeare's sister. Yeah. So she also gets the rights to this now. She's doing all right, isn't she? <laughs> yeah. Now, you said about the violin on it. Yeah. The musician who uh, plays the violin is actually not a member of Bluebells. His name is Bobby Valentino. Okay. And he won the right to be recognised as co-author of the song after taking legal action. So he also is down as the writer, along with Robert Hodgson's, who is Bobby Bluebell, obviously Bobby Bluebell's the stage name. So Robert Hodgson, Hodgins, uh, Siobhan Fahey and Bobby Valentino are the three writers of Young at Heart. Originally, it was just Robert Hodgins, aka Bobby Bluebell, and mm. Siobhan Fahey. Okay. But it was the same. After, and I suppose, had it not had the success it had the second time round, would Bobby Valentino have made such a big thing? I don't Probably know. not. But the fact that it then obviously did and obviously made quite a bit of money, he then said, well, actually, my violin, and, and you noticed it, you said about it. So it yeah. did make a big big um yeah part of that song so. mm. but he was only bothered yeah. because it's i'm gonna say that's the number uh, yeah, one i don't know when but he was only because happened but mm. i would guess it happened yeah true after, if you don't know but, um, but yeah if it did happen after he was only bothered with it becoming a hit because otherwise you would have said it from the beginning wouldn't you yeah. why am i not getting yeah. like rights to this sure, yeah but because it was a minor hit it obviously didn't really wouldn't have mattered much i suppose um it hmm. wasn't a song that was a standout at the time especially in um the the 80s so it looks like it was around 2002 so yeah it was um after the uh and way after so yeah you just saw you, don't that. you don't know when you don't know when they were revived yet all right so they've also got a member of the band that has been elsewhere so craig gannon who I mentioned was their guitarist. Mm. He has played guitar for, in 1983, Aztec Camera. 
1984, Color Field. And then from, but only briefly, and he's right. not actually listed as a Color Field main person. And then right. obviously 1984, he went to the Bluebells before briefly going back to Color Field. And then oh. in 1986, he was the Smiths guitarist. Now you may remember I said at the time, the bass guitarist left and Craig Gannon was brought in. And then, and then the bass guitarist came replaced in. replaced him and you said, oh, imagine that. Da, da, da. Mm. I said, they didn't actually get, I don't think they got rid of the other guitarist. Yeah. They just brought this other one. Well, so he, Craig Gannon was that person who come, come in and then they right. brought the original back saying that you can't be, he's got a unique sound and all that, if you remember. I'm with so, you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. so, I was yes, like, well, so that's a bit of a kick in the teeth. So we okay. can now go on to their... They're going to have the number one that's going to be young at heart. So, 1983, CAF, mm. number 62. Really? Yes. Oh, I enjoyed that. How well. However, it was re-released. Okay. In 1984. Right, not the number one. And that got to number one. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. It got to number 38. <laughs> Such a wind up today. Um, well, I really liked it. 1984, I'm falling. Mm-hmm. That got to number 11. So now that right, they've, now they've suddenly hit the big time and they're noticed. They, they yeah, they've got. Well, that was really catchy. That had a happy, yeah. feel good feeling. And then 1984, Young at Heart got to yeah. number eight. So we're the number one. Okay. Well, that one was my favourite, Young at Heart. Uh, Gets you moving, makes you feel good. But I said that about them. They just know how to make you happy. And that's why I'm disappointed that I didn't have the time to explore more. It's been a busy week. Um, Because I want to see, with it only being three hits, what other music they've got. But then they didn't last long either, did they? Until No, as I said, they reformed. Yeah. So before we move on to Colourfield, um, Young at Heart was re-released in 1993 on the back of a Volkswagen TV advert, and that got to number one. You threw me off because they'd re-released it, um, because you didn't... So as I said, it was still hitting its own way in the 80s. It got to number eight. Yeah, yeah. But after the TV advert, and obviously a totally, I suppose, a different sound at the time because of what was being played because we're now into the, the early 90s, it, it was a... It was and, a because, but also the advert. And of course, yeah. That's so what again, really got on the hit. You know, yeah. Almost 10 years later, it's actually nine years, it was went from number eight to number one. Mm. So well, it's my that favorite. was your number one. I'll take that. Moving on to Colourfield. Okay. So you've already touched on them. So if you want to uh, say a bit more. Yeah, so they're a bit bland. Like, I thought, given the name, I thought there'd be a bit more to them. But I recognised the front man. And I did some little research because it was bugging me. So in we, I have got, like, our Instagram. I run our Instagram. And I put pictures of the artists that we've listened, that we've discussed. And I was like, okay, for me to recognise it, Let's go back because I can quickly skip through the pictures of like our series one. And if I don't see him there, probably a recent guy. Well, 
unless I'm stupid or he's got a doppelganger, think he was in Funboy 3 because I've had a look. But I didn't then go any further. But I've recognised him and put two and two together. Because it was annoying me. I was like, you've got a very familiar face. So not as much as in um, pre, Prefab Sprout. No, was it Prefab? Yeah, where well, I recognised. But I didn't him. even recognise the name. Yeah. But maybe he's just got a familiar face. This one, I was like, no, you're definitely somewhere. Okay. Like, you look too familiar. Oh. Um, but yeah, well, they're quite while I'm While I'm discussing them... If you go onto your phone and, you know, your search engine, I won't mention any by name, but I'm sure it's the same one that everyone else uses. Yeah. And just look up the specials and see if you uh, recognise any specials. of those. specials? Yeah. So Colourfield is Terry Hall on vocals, Toby Lyons on guitar, Carl Shale on bass, Gary Dreyer on drums, and, as we've already mentioned, Craig Gannon on guitar, but only briefly, and he's not actually really mentioned for them, but in 84 and 86. They were formed in 1984, so they were literally formed in this year as well. Um, and they are a new wave pop rock group. Uh, oh, I said I didn't get my genre out. I said new wave. So Terry Hall of the specials. What? Hang on. Fun Boy 3. Oh. Remember, they left the specials. Yeah, because they didn't want to be too... Yeah. And then he went. they went back to the specials, but obviously the main man of the specials, Jerry Dammers, they didn't let him back in or, do, you know, there's a falling out and all that. Do you know why? But he was both. He's got the same hair in... The Colourfield and Funboy 3. That's why he stuck out. Whereas the specials is more shaved off. So I didn't really recognise him. So even when I would have looked at the specials as well, on when I was looking through Instagram, I didn't picture, didn't see him there. So there you go. I can see it now. So Terry Terry Hall formed the group, as I say. He was of the specials and Funboy 3. And he formed the group with Lions and Shale. And they were from the Swinging Cats and although they're all originally from Coventry, they were based in Manchester. And actually, in some some um, when I was looking up the references, and that's why I was a bit confused. Some said they were formed in 1984 in Coventry. Oh. And other references said they were formed in 1984 in Manchester. Okay, so they, are, so... they were from Coventry, right? They were actually the group. Unlike the specials and I suppose Funboy Free, which were classed as Coventry, mm. they actually were formed in Manchester. Right. Okay. But all of the okay. all of the band were from Coventry. But they're actually all from Coventry. Oh, okay. But obviously moved to Manchester by yeah. the time they got, the got group together. Mm-hmm. Thinking of you had Katrina Phillips accompanying Hall on vocals, although she's not actually part of the group she was on the vocals for that one song just that one song I thought there was a girl in all of them oh well it might be over but it just I mean she's not classed as in the band Colourfield and it just and what I read is obviously and I suppose because Thinking of You was their main hit um, she's uh, mentioned as accompanying Paul on the vocals I did notice the woman's voice more in Thinking of You because I've written it down but I thought there was a woman's voice like hint of it in all of them like you know like like the backing Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So as I've already mentioned, Craig Gannon was with Aztec Camera and the Bluebells, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. as well as... Went over uh, here for a bit. Yeah. 
Gary Dwyer on drums was originally with the Teardrop Explodes. So they've Another moved around a lot discussed. then? Yeah. Okay. All these 80s people just like to move around, form yeah, yeah. supergroups. Well, oh, that one failed. Let's try again. You, you go where you, you're wanted. And if I suppose mm. as well, I mean, like when with, you can um, play an instrument. Derek Craig Gannon, I said he was with the he was with Aztec Hammer, went to Colourfield, went back to went to the Bluebells, and then went back to briefly with with Colourfield uh, before going to the Smiths. Um, yeah. So I suppose you go where the work is. They're not getting the, the the if they're not writing the songs, they're not making the money as such, are they? It's because no. it's the songwriters that get the royalties of the song. Mm. Um, hence that violinist making such a big deal for the young at heart. Um, so do you not get money if you don't write the song then? No, no you, you you might get a percentage of, but it'd be very small. It depends what what your um, contract is with the group, and that's why a lot of groups fall out. Aha, have fallen out over it, although they actually haven't always had their songwriters as aha but as yeah. we've already said about spandau ballet um well there, there's been a few that we've said about uh, i can't even remember more. no they've been loads went to court they've gone not. to court and so basically and... if you can play an instrument but you can't write songs you're basically making no money but you're well, you'll, be, you'll, you'll get a fee i should think and you may get a percentage of the royalties nah, don't agree with that the main you won't get a big percentage which don't will agree make with that a life-changing difference i suppose so yeah it, That's it's, mad. you know colorfeld disbanded in 1987 following their second album deception which flopped at number 95 oh wow that's a massive flop so they had one top 20 single and one top 20 album, okay. um, which was 1985's Virgins and Philistines, which got to number 12 in the album chart. Okay. So, as you say, you only had three songs of theirs. Mm -hmm. uh, that was 1984, The Colourfield by Colourfield, <laughs> which got to number 43. Okay, it was serious, simple, and in the video, it was literally, and like, even in the lyrics, they were like, red is this, and yellow is this, and then in the video, they were just showing, like, poppies, they were in a field and showing different colours, uh -huh. quite literal. Uh, 1985, Thinking of You, reached number 12. That was my favourite. There's just more to it. It's uh -huh. got a bit more, con like concept to it a bit more con sure a bit more bulkiness yeah and then also 1985 castles in the air got to number 30 37 might be 57 <laughs> with my own writing um but yeah it got into the 30s <laughs> that was back to the plan i'm gonna check my writing now i'm <laughs> not even sure what that says um well that was back to bland and blunt and it yeah like I say, they were very serious, emotionless. And that video, oh. they're in a Bloomer Museum. So I don't really get what they're doing. A bit odd, no. to be honest. Bear with me. So 1985, Castles in the Air, that got to number 51. So they only had one song inside the top 40, and that was their Thinking of You that got to number 12. Right. Which was my favourite. I'll take that. Okay. So that that's um, the end of this week. So now for your 
hit or miss? Got any predictions? Oh, it's hard on this one. I definitely think there's one hit in Bronxky beat. And I'd like to think, but this is my own decision, that Prefab Sprout would. But I, I, I don't, I can't, I can't read you. You're not 100%. So, no. I'm getting good Bronxy at this beat, poker face. Bronxy thing. beat, definitely. The others, I'm not sure. Maybe, I don't know, because it, it depends how you like the other songs. So like you said, you like Love and Pride of King, but I'm not sure about the others. There was nothing really on Scritty Politty that you really gave anything away. The same with Prefab Sprout. The Bluebells, you said you like Young at Heart. Um, so, you know, that, you know, you said, I think you like Caff as well. So, yeah, maybe the Bluebells would be a hit as well. Okay, um, well, I will let you know. Yeah, I'd, no. I'd go with those two. So, yeah, right. so we'll find out then. So, Bronxky Beat, you're yep. right, was a hit. They are a hit. Really enjoyed them. And the same with King. I'm surprised you didn't uh-huh. think the same vibe from both of them because I said they're uh-huh. very similar. They're both nice and upbeat. Really enjoyed the beginning of the week. Scritty Politti, I put as a miss, but because they they were they were one that was hard to decide. I do like some songs, but not all of them. And overall, uh-huh. they're just a bit too mellow for me. Um, Prefab Sprout again was a hard one to pick. Like I said at the beginning, I went with a hit. Because the more <laughs> the more I listen, the more it is, you know, they are yeah. songs that I will re-listen to. The Bluebells are a hit. I really am gonna yeah. look at more of their songs because I am intrigued at how they like how they haven't got more hits. Um mm-hmm. I liked every single one of their songs. And Colourfield was a miss that like only liked that one yeah. song, the other two were not. Yeah. There I'm not surprised. At all. No. Well, four out of six, I will take that. So that's your best week. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Are you ready for next week? Yes. So you will be listening to over the next week, ready for our recording of episode 16. Mm-hmm. Dead or alive? Ooh, don't like the sound of them. Like just... Okay. Cameo. Okay. Miami Sound Machine. No idea. Amazulu. Ama what now? Amazulu. Amazulu. Okay. Was not was. What? And (gasps) Baltimore. Baltimore. No idea who any of them are. So it's another blind week. We'll see if I recognise any songs. Okay. I'll let you know. Yeah. Send them over. I will indeed. Okay. On that note, I will say goodbye. Yeah, I'll speak to you next week. I'll speak to you, should I say, next week. Yeah. Have a good week listening and enjoy Dead or Alive. I'll try. Thanks. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye, Dad. Bye.